0: Radio Hall of Fame. The Radio Hall of Fame is presented during the full hour ahead by the Philco Corporation, makers today of electronic battle equipment for the fighting forces of the United Nations makers tomorrow of equipment for good living in a free world united by victory. Cooperating with Philco are the editors and correspondents of Variety who report for the Philco program all the news of all show business the world over every week. This week, the editors of Variety recommend for your pleasure and Philco delights to honor in your name... Radio, Fred Allen, with Portland Harper and the entire Allen Company. From opera, the celebrated Metropolitan Tenor, Loritz Melchior. From the Broadway stage, Lou Holtz, master storyteller, and Raymond Edward Johnson, substituting for Orson Welles to bring you a New Year's message written by Stephen Vincent Benet. From the popular music field, Helen Forrest. Conducting the Hall of Fame Orchestra and Chorus, Paul Whiteman. Our master of ceremonies, the distinguished composer, critic, and commentator, Deems Taylor.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is James Taylor speaking for Philco. You know, if we could transport the members of our cast directly to your homes today in person, you'd have the makings of quite a remarkable pre-New Year's party. Well, that's what we hope that our broadcast turns out to be, with Fred Allen, Portland Hoffa, and Lou Holtz taking care of laughter, Dorit Melchior and Helen Forrest attending to the song department, and Raymond Edward Johnson lending a serious note to our years end proceedings said proceedings open with a slightly daring piece of musical impertinence on the part of Paul Whiteman. Most New Year's parties end with Old Lang Syne. Paul has chosen to make this traditional finale into a rousing overture, beginning Paul at once. Speaking of old acquaintance, there's Lou Holtz. Lou is a producer now at Metro-Golden-Mayer. Before plunging Kane first into a ten-week shooting schedule on the new movie version of the Ziegfeld Follies, he's enjoying a busman's holiday at the Capitol Theater on Broadway. In other words, he's back at his old trade, making people laugh. For our uh, New Year's program, Philco has asked Lou to reach back into his inexhaustible bag of tricks for a couple or so of typical Holtz stories including a continuation of the immortal saga of Sam Lapidus, a gentleman who surely belongs in the Hall of Fame. Enter Lou Holtz.
2: Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. It is indeed a pleasure to be back here in New York. I've been away a year. The first thing I did as soon as I got in town, I ran over to my draft board. First thing... They said, Lou, we have put you in 73 Fs. See? And I said, what is 73 73F? And they said, a single man with furniture. <laughs> I've been traveling all over the country. I've been down south. I was down in Texas. I must tell you this. I met a chap in Texas, a Hebraic chap. And uh, you've, heard, you've heard a lot of actors come out on the stage. They make up a lot of fictitious names for Hebraic gentlemen like DeWitt Clinton Finks. Laughter. Or Throckmorton Abramowitz. Lilani <laughs> Levine. <laughs> there are no such people. <laughs> but down in Texas, there's a guy. This is the end of all those names. This fellow's name is Honeysuckle Epstein. <laughs> Honeysuckle has a mania for driving fast in, in an automobile. He's been arrested a score of times. He's been in jail. So finally, got an idea. He got himself a car made that would go 175 miles an hour... The car was delivered to him. He got in the car, and he went out on the road looking for
3: cops.
2: (laughs) He sees a cop that's arrested him eight or nine times. He's shot by this cop 90 miles an hour. The cop on the motorcycle right after him, and when he got within about 15 yards of honeysuckle, he gave a little more gas, you see, up to about 125. Now the cop is going after him all his might, and when the cop got near him the second time, he gave a little more gas, up to about 145. Now he's going a little too fast for the cop, so he slowed up a little bit. You see? He's monkeying around with the law. When the cop got near him the third time he gave it all, he had 175 miles an hour down the road. He's gone. He's down the road, eight or nine miles, looks around. He's lost the cop. So he said, now I'll turn around and give it to him on the way Comes back down the road, he's looking for the cop, he finds him underneath a tree, his nose is broken, he's bleeding, his motorcycle is wrecked. Well, he was a wreck. He looked like he'd been hit by a train. Honeysuckle stops the car, turns the cop. he says, son, what happened to you? What happened to you, boy? Well, the cop says, you know, when I got near you that third time, when you pulled away from me so fast, I thought my motorcycle had stopped, so I got off to see what was wrong with it. <laughs> There's an Irishman, an Irishman, who lives in Brooklyn. His name is Sullivan. Now, this is an Irish story, a little out of my line, but say, I'll try, I'll try. (laughs) Mr. Sullivan lives in Brooklyn, and he's in this country about four weeks. He's walking down the street, and he finds $245 in a purse on the sidewalk. He looks at it. He says, this is the most fantastic thing I've ever seen in my life. The most amazing thing is this gold in the sidewalk. Fantastic.
3: The most fantastic thing I've ever heard of. What a land. What a land. He says it's fantastic.
2: He sees a streetcar. He gets on the streetcar for the first time. He's in the streetcar about five minutes. The car has gone about six blocks, and the conductor hollers out, Myrtle, and a woman got off.
3: <laughs> he says, What a land! The most fantastic thing I've ever heard of him in my life is fantastic. How does he know her name is man? They ride
2: right, about five more blocks, the conductor hollers out, Marty! And another woman got off. He says, what an organization. Fantastic. The most fantastic. They go about six more blocks. The conductor hollers out, Sullivan. He says, that's me. He gets off. He's walking up the street. And a nice old lady walked up to him. She says, I beg your pardon. Is this Sullivan? He says, it is. She said, I'm looking for 245 dollars and he handed her the purse. <laughs> I bumped into my old friend, Sam Lapidus. Lapidus is walking down Park Avenue. He passes a very high-tone place. On Park Avenue, they call them Salon. Salon. Plain saloon. <laughs> Walks in for the first time, walks up to the bartender, says, Hi hey, shorty. Hi, hey, old timer. Hi, hey, spunky. He says, I'll have a highball. He says, Hollet, it, it. I think I'll take a cocktail. One cocktail. The bartender handed him a cocktail. He gave the bartender a dollar. He's sipping slowly awaiting the change. No change is forthcoming. He says to the bartender, Shorty, Shorty. He says, There's a difference between you and me for 35 cents. <laughs> After all, he said, I'm not a Johnny come lately. I'm one of the boyish. I'm a Yankee Doodle boy and Uptown boy. Highly educated, NYU, also Holy Cross. He says, kick in with a 35 boy. Kick in there, boy. Bartender said, I'm very sorry. We charge a dollar for all drinks, here. Peter said, for what reason? For what reason? Specify. The bartender said, you see that oil painting on the right? That's the Rembrandt worth $40,000. The one on the left is an old Gainsborough worth $60,000. The one in the middle is invaluable. Well, Peter said, I didn't know you had these kind of facilities see you again. Comes in the next night, he says, I spunk funky I of a cocktail. The bartender handed him a cocktail. He put 65 cents on the bar, put his hands over his eyes, and he says, I saw the pictures last night.
0: In speaking of the future and the rich legacy which war research and production will leave to the peacetime world, Philco is aware that without victory, there can be no peace and no future for free men. So the only thing that the men and women of Philco are thinking of today in their laboratories, at their desks and machines, is the only thing that matters for us all, winning the war. At Philco, engineers, scientists, and workers are devoting all their skill, their genius, and the great mass production facilities to the weapons of war, producing radios and vital electronic equipment for planes and tanks, artillery fuses and shells, storage batteries for vital military transport and war industry. But all this research and production for war creates new knowledge, new ideas, new skills. Men of science see their dreams spring to reality. No matter how much the product of their brains and labor may be destroyed in battle, their ideas live and they will survive after victory to bring you newer and finer products under the famous Philco name in radio, television, refrigeration, and air conditioning.
1: Presenting for the Hall of Fame's finest laurel chapeau... Miss Helen Forrest. After serving an apprenticeship as a band vocalist with Artie Shaw, Benny Goodman, and Harry James, Helen stepped out on her own recently with an engagement at the Los Angeles Orpheum. The local variety correspondent caught her act, reported in rave turns to headquarters, and so Helen is with us today. She sings one of her biggest recording successes of 1943, I Don't Want to Walk Without You. Here's Helen Forrest.
3: the door, they blast me out a hundred times or more, but all I say is leave. You break my heart.
1: as the year draws toward its close in the sound and fury of global war, it is natural that our thoughts should turn toward the future. And if our thoughts on this last Sunday of the old year could be uttered in one huge national voice, it's certain, I think, that they would find expression in a prayer for victory and peace. To give words today to the unspoken New Year meditations of millions and millions of Americans, we had selected a distinguished actor and a great poet, the poet Stephen Vincent Benet, whose death in 1943 deprived the free world of one of its most eloquent pleaders for human rights. The actor was to have been Orson Welles. When we learned that illness would prevent Mr. Welles from appearing, we were fortunate enough to be able to engage in his place a brilliant young actor, Raymond Edward Johnson, recently starred on Broadway in Sidney Kingsley's prize-winning play, The Patriots. In The Patriots, Mr. Johnson played the role of Thomas Jefferson. Tonight, he speaks as Jefferson might speak to Americans about to enter a third year of war. Raymond Edward Johnson, then, in Toward the Future, a combination of two celebrated radio works by Stephen Vincent Benet. Uh
4: of the free, we pledge our hearts and lives today to the cause of all free mankind, grant us victory over the tyrants who would enslave all free men and nations, grant us faith and understanding to cherish all those who fight for freedom as if they were our brothers. grant us brotherhood and hope and union. Not only for the space of this bitter war, but for the days to come, which shall and must unite all the children of Earth. Our Earth is but a small star in the great universe. Yet of it we can make if we choose a planet unvexed by war untroubled by hunger or fear, undivided by senseless distinctions of race, color or theory. Grant us that courage and foreseeing to begin this task today, that our children and our children's children may be proud of the name of a man. The spirit of man has awakened, and the soul of man has gone forth grant us the wisdom and the vision to comprehend the greatness of man's spirit that suffers and endures so hugely for a goal beyond his own brief span. Grant us honor for our dead who died in the faith. Honor for our living who work and strive for the faith. Redemption and security for all captive lands and peoples. Yet most of all, grant us brotherhood, not only for this day, but for all our years. A brotherhood not of words, but of acts and deeds. We are all of us. Children of earth. Grant us that simple knowledge. If our brothers are oppressed, and we are oppressed. If they hunger, we hunger. If their freedom is taken away, our freedom is not secure. Grant us a common faith that man shall know bread and peace, that we shall know justice and righteousness, freedom and security, an equal opportunity and an equal chance to do his best, not only in our own lands, but throughout the world. And in that faith, let us march toward the clean world our hands can make. This I ask in the name of all Americans everywhere.
1: By what right? By what right do you speak? Who are you? Yeah,
0: who are you, mister? Sounds to me like a fool. An impractical dreamer, that's what he is. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe he's a poet. (laughs) (laughs) Impractical dreamer, I always say. Impractical dreamer. Listen, mister, what's your name?
4: I have been known by many names in many times and places. I crawled out of the sea in the mud long ages ago. And the gods of the thunder and lightning looked at me and said, That's a queer new fish. You'll never last on land. I hid in the forest, small and frightened. And the dinosaurs clanked around and said, Who's that impractical dreamer? We'll eat them alive. he has got nothing but hands and a brain. But they left their bones in the rock. And I lasted them out and went on. I crept out of caves toward the sunlight. And I built the free cities of Greece and the law that was Rome. I gathered the wisdom of China. And I sent a word crying through Palestine a word that cries through the centuries to all men and nations. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free, but we are all brothers. And that word goes on. I have dreamed many times. I found a new world in small ships. And none but the believers believed in me when I first dared that unknown West. When I wrote, all men are created free and equal, few believed at first, but slowly many believed and many followed. Jefferson. I shivered and prayed at Valley Forge, and my prayer was answered. When I stood at Gettysburg and spoke over the graves, few believed. But the Union lives and shall live. And the government of the people, by the people, for the people... ...shall not perish from the earth. Yes, I've been called many names. I've spilt my blood in the streets of Paris and Athens and Moscow. I have grown as an oak tree grows from the roots of English law. I have been a preacher named Paul... ...and a rail splitter named Abe Lincoln... I've been called madman and fool, but it's the brave and the sane who follow me first and always. Always first. There has been the dream and the men who are willing to die for it. I call forth the dream and the men. I call them forth from all nations. When man stands up on his feet and looks his faith in the eyes. Only yesterday on Corregidor, my name was Bill Smith from Ohio, and Jesus Maria Garcia was my brother's name. We had a rock to defend, and we defended it, and the name of that rock is Liberty, and in that name I speak, for Liberty can be lost by the practical man whose hearts are too shrunken to contain it. Liberty can be bartered away by the greedy minds who cannot see beyond their own day. Liberty can be stolen away by the robber and the brute. But liberty grows like grass in the hearts of the common people. From the blood of their martyrs. And the tyrants rage and are gone. But the dream and the deed endure. And I endure. It is I who command men and win battles. I have called them forth in the past, and I'm calling them forth today. I call the brave to the battle line. I call the sane to the council. I call the free millions of earth to the century ahead. The century of the common man established by you, the people. For this world cannot endure half slave and half free. My name is Freedom. Freedom. And my command today is unite. Unite in brotherhood for a people's victory. Unite. Unite in brotherhood for a people's peace.
3: To
1: ring up the second act curtain, Paul Whiteman provides a Paul esque, or should it be Pauline, a version of two melodies from the score of the Desert Song, recommended by Variety as the musical movie of the moment. The story is new, but the music has the same Romberg flair of old. As witness, Paul's Desert Song med- Medley. <laughs>
3: You're the red shadow's boy.
0: Season. What feelings do they convey for this holiday week of 1943? Against a background of war, at a time when so many hearts are filled with anxiety, what is the meaning of this gesture of goodwill among men? Today, we offer for each other the greetings of the season as an expression of our faith, courage, and hope. It is a pledge of unity among free men. It is a symbol of our determination to work and to sacrifice that the ideals of peace on earth and goodwill toward men may not perish from the earth. In this spirit, the men and women of Philco Corporation, who are helping to fight the battle of production, look with confidence to the future and to the dawn of a brighter day for all mankind. And for themselves, as well as for Philco dealers everywhere, they send to their many friends in the far corners of the United States and Canada the greetings of the season.
1: Because of his shining career as a heroic tenor in the Wagnerian tradition, because of his lavishly given services in the war tasks of show business, and especially because he adds six feet, four inches, and 300 pounds of natural gaiety to the New York scene, Variety nominates for the Hall of Fame, Lauritz Melchior. Large Lauritz and that small and lovely wife of his, the Kleinschin Maria, are taken together a constant indication that the world of good music is not of necessity a pompous, stuffed-shirt secret society. Consequently, they're beloved of all local men of goodwill. Lauritz, the Great Dane, sings for us a Scandinavian folk song arranged by Edvard Grieg, entitled The Great White Band. Mr. Melchior. Which has led us by, we hope, agreeable stages to Fred Allen. And Fred is accompanied by Portland Hoffa together with the remarkable denizens of Allen's Alley, formerly known as the Mighty Allen Art Players. In the solemnly stated opinion of the editors of Variety, Fred Allen's recent return to the air is just about the most important news of the month in radio, period. If you missed Fred's opening show, you have our sympathy. And to make up for your loss, a condensed version, now coming up. To appropriate music, enter Fred
0: Allen. Thank you.
5: Thank you, and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. And I want to thank you for a nice, dull welcome. You should have honed my welcome, stropped it a little before I get out. I would, I would have expected something better from the Milton Burl of Carnegie Hall, Deems, after all. (laughs) Do you realize that I have been away from, (laughs) been away from from radio for quite some time?
1: Well, yes, where have you been?
5: Well, I could say I've been hiding, waiting for Pistol Pack and Mama to blow over. But I haven't. I've been out in Hollywood,
1: uh, Deems. Well, now, Fred, it didn't take you six months to get back from Hollywood, did it?
5: Have you tried to get a reservation on a train lately?
1: Yes, but even so, California's only 3,000 miles as the crow flies. You can't even get a reservation on a crow, Deems. But why should it be so hard to get tickets on trains to California?
5: Housing conditions. I'll explain to you. A man is going from New York to California. He gives up his apartment in New York. He gets on a train. When he arrives at Los Angeles, the city is crowded. You see, he can't find an apartment. He can't get a room in a hotel. He gets back on the train and returns to New York. Well, by now, the apartment he did have here has been rented. He can't find a place to live in New York. He gets on the train. And that's why it's impossible to buy a railroad ticket to California today. Deems, thousands of people are living on trains. (laughs) Um, thank you very much a commuter thank you very
1: much (laughs) yes it must uh, it it must be
5: homey it is homey deems i came back from california on the chief one little old lady named levy had been living in an upper berth with her two daughters and a rubber plant for six months going and coming from albuquerque
1: wasn't that a bit crowded
5: well it was crowded at first But one of the daughters married a man named Schwartz, who was living in the lower berth under them, and the two families pooled their space and now they're all very happy living in a section, Deems. And that's the way it goes. People are just Well, Portland, even here. You're just in time, Portland. Deems and I are discussing, in sort of a stilted way, the housing shortage. It's
3: (laughs) terrible. Some people didn't get any Christmas presents this year.
5: On account of the housing shortage?
3: Yes. A lot of families are living in Sydney.
5: Well, that probably accounts for the flu epidemic, I would...
3: (laughs) Things are... things, it
5: shows what people will stoop to for money, doesn't it? But things are sure congested.
3: Mama put a nickel in a sandwich slot at the automat last night. Yes. The door flew open. And? A midget was sleeping in there.
5: On white or rye bread. (laughs) Yes, that shows it's hard to find a place to sleep, Portland. Even midgets are taking slot luck these days. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something may come of that.
3: (laughs) My Uncle Phil is sleeping in Central Park.
5: Well, isn't he cold, these nights?
3: No, he picked up an old Indian blanket.
5: Well, is your Uncle Phil comfortable under the old Indian blanket?
3: It's a little crowded. The old Indian is still in there.
5: The old Indian. huh? That fixes that up. The old Indian. A new tribe has been developed. The old Indian.
1: You know, I beg your pardon, Fred. I hate to interrupt, but there's a friend of mine in the wings who's very anxious to meet you.
5: Friend in the wings? Some angel in disguise? You well, bring him in, a friend in the wings. Bring him in, Deems. Any friend of yours, I'm sure, is a stranger to me.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
5: <His name laughs> who, is... who is this party?
1: Uh, Loris Melchior. Uh-huh. Uh,
3: come on out,
5: Loris. <laughs> Dad, Mr. Melchior, this is a pleasure. You know, I always enjoy meeting people who are still in my former profession. Fred, don't tell me you were singing? Singer? Why, I was the common lombardo of my time, Mr. Melchior. Uh, where did you sing? Well, I sang my first solo in a church choir. What happened? 200 people changed their religion. (laughs) After a short talk with the minister, I gave up choir work and went into opera. For two solid seasons, we played the Barber of Seville. Then, bang, Lawrence, the electric razor came in, and the Barber of Seville was through. But enough about little old E-flat me, Mr. Melchior. What about you? You have been in opera many years, I know. Yes. When I first went into opera, Madame Butterfly was only a caterpillar.
3: <laughs>
5: you must have known Boris before he was good enough.
4: Oh, oh wait, wait, please! I'm not here to tell jokes.
5: I came to talk to you. To talk to me? Well, of course, Mr. Melchior. What's on your mind? Please, I have a problem. You, Lawrence Melchior, the Metropolitan's greatest tenor... You have a problem? Yes. I want to quit opera and go into radio. Oh, Loritz, you're kidding. What's wrong with opera? Long hair and short dough. <laughs> <laughs> Long hair and short
0: dough, I mean, in radio they pay singers big money. What singer? Yesterday
1: I read that some young boy in the radio is making $30,000 a
0: week. 30000
5: a week? a week.
6: And what does he sing? Won't you tell me when? Now look,
3: look.
5: (laughs) Look, Mr. Melchior. Oh, Fred, make me another Sinatra. You, the great Melchior, want a croon? Yes. Oh, ho, 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 the maestro is jesting. Ho, 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 the maestro is hungry.
3: <laughs>
5: but, Mr. Melchior, your opera audiences top hat, white tie, and tails. You want to sing for sweatshirts and bobby socks? $30,000 for... Now look, Mr. Melchior, think of those phonograph records you make, those beautiful big 12-inch records. You want to give those up to be on the other side of Spike Jones and his city slickers? Think, Mr. Melchior.
1: $30,000 and all these things is worth... No, we'll look, no, please. But who will take
5: your place starring at the Metropolitan? Jessel is in Hollywood. <laughs> take a baritone's advice, Mr. Melchior. You stick to opera. Oh, I'll try that Sinatra of the hit parade. But you're not the Sinatra type. You've got to be thin. I think I'm too Robust? Robust. Why, your tonsils weigh more than Sinatra. <laughs> Why, when he's on the air, you can't tell whether Sinatra is singing into the microphone or the microphone is giving Sinatra a transfusion.
3: <laughs>
5: forget the forget the whole thing. Oh, please, Fred. Curse me on the radio. But you can't compare radio to opera. Opening night at the Met. Think, the curtain rises. Your glorious voice casts a magic spell over the audience. Men and women throw their hats and mink into the air and cheer. Bravo, milfior! Bees, Melchior! Bravo, bravo! B, be, bees! Uh, yes, that's... True, but thirty oh, thousand dollars.
6: Won't you tell me when? when?
5: <laughs> Lawrence, look, I think I can make you see the folly of your ways. Will you do me a favor? Yes. Uh, sing me an aria. I just want to prove something to you. You sing me one of those adenoid rattlers of yours.
3: <laughs>
5: Would you sing a song for me? Yes, I will. All
1: right. Uh, what about this one here? <laughs>
5: That's your racket, you see, that's what you like to do, that's what you do best. You should stick to that
3: type of view. I know, I know, but sir, this is how oh, are. Right. Won't you are.
6: We will meet again? All right.
5: All right. You want to get into radio, I'll show you, Mr. Melchior. <laughs> if the <they're> wrong <laughs> Uh, If the wrong sponsor signs you, you're apt to end up on a radio show that sounds something like this. We're on the air.
4: The makers of Tafanak's pretzels present Life Can Be Melchior. Life Can Be Melchior is brought to you every hour on the hour every day, 168 times a week. By the makers of Pasternak personality pretzels. Today, while every other pretzel is made by machine, untouched by human hands, only Pasternak pretzels are made by hand. Pasternak himself takes a handful of wet dough and steps into a red hot oven. A few twists, a few turns, when Pasternak is lifted out of that red hot oven, in his hand, he holds a pretzel. No deceit, no trickery, no other pretzel can make this claim. With men who know pretzels best, it's past seven and
3: three-eighths to two. <laughs> and
4: now, Life Can Be Melchior.
5: Life Can Be Melchior, the story of one man's struggle to be a failure. Little Larry Melchior was born in a motel in Ohio Today on that very site, there stands a Burma shave sign The world knew that a great singer had been born When the tiny baby's first words were
3: Figaro, 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 figaro
5: Figaro, figaro, figaro At school, his genius was immediately recognized the teacher gave little Larry a pitch pipe, a metronome, and a picture of Rudy Valley to inspire him. After graduation, he forged ahead with his music. Day after day, hour after hour, little Larry Melchior
6: practiced.
5: Four years at Curtis Institute of Music, Melchior sang. Eight years at the Juilliard School of Music, Melchior carried on. And then came the crucial test. His audition for the Metropolitan Opera Company, Melchior sang... He, he, he. he had forgotten the words. <laughs> but this did not stop Lauritz Melchior. Oh, no. Back to ten more years of... Figgler, 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 figgler. And then Lauritz Melchior finally reached his goal. He became a star at the Metropolitan. His golden voice sang... And now he was ready for his crowning achievement, starring on his own radio program. And here is the star of the Pastanac Kretzel program, Lauret Melchior, bringing you the music he has spent a lifetime to achieve. Maestro, please.
6: (laughs) Our pretzels are the best. Have a nice day, All guaranteed, none is faulty. Our pretzels are so Have
1: Burns and Allen, Raymond Graham Swing, Georgia Gibbs, and another group of star personalities recommended by Variety for your pleasure. we we'll would expect you at the gates of the hall this time next week, this station. Signed, Dean Taylor.
0: The production and writing staff of the Radio Hall of Fame includes D. Engelbach, George Faulkner, and Abel Green, editor of Variety. Fred Allen was presented by arrangement with his sponsor, Texaco. This is Glenn Riggs wishing you a happy new year from Philco dealers and distributors throughout the United States and Canada, and from the Philco Corporation, makers today of radio, communications, and electronic materials to help win the war, makers tomorrow of materials for good living in a world at peace.